Episode 21, Artist, Actor, Simone Gadd. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the spectacular library bar in the fantastic Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown LA. Today, I'm meeting artist and actor Simone Gatt. I arrive at 4.30 on the dot, but Simone is already waiting for me on a striped banquette in the corner of the Art Deco lobby. Her black hair is streaked gray and is pulled back into a tight bun. Cat-eyed glasses, a vintage dress. I may have just slipped back in time. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 Today, my guest is longtime L.A. artist and actor Simone Gadd. If you've been to only one L.A. art opening in your lifetime, I'm willing to bet you have seen Simone. Simone has been making art and appearing in television and film since arriving in L.A. in the early 50s. As a child actor, she entertained troops in Korea, starred in soap operas, and later became a prolific visual artist. She's here to recount her amazing journey, from daughter of Holocaust survivors that immigrated to L.A. to becoming the well-respected artist she is today. She's a fascinating personality, and you're going to enjoy her story. Welcome, Simone Gadd. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I love seeing you all the time because that's exactly how you are. Every time I see you, I say, hello, Simone, and you giggle. Because you make me laugh in a good way. That doesn't often happen. Really? Yeah. Really? I yeah. only know that of you. I only know you this way. Oh, well, that's a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you snarl at other people? No, no. I try not to. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. I've always been a big fan of your work, actually. I read, uh, you know, as you know, you, I used to work at Leica, where you had your show. Yeah, I was uh, back in the day with Bob. Oh, my and God. Toby, yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I used to remember um, Deborah Lear. Yes. And Deborah Lear and I were uh, editors of the Leica Journal. Oh, that's so incredible. Yeah, she moved on. I got the job after her. And it's in the Smithsonian it and is. Stanford. They are in the Smithsonian archives. Yes, 1970s, very and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Yeah, and and all the uh, and all the amazing typos that I never caught. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, it's such a prestigious journal and such an incredible time. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, it was certainly it was a lot of fun. I think it's fun. very prestigious. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good chronicle of that period, which for me was 83 uh, 85 or 6 so I think you had already had a show there earlier than that I believe in the 70s yeah because I think like it started I got there just like when they moved to traction oh yeah so it was a little uh, you know the, the magazine was in the Robertson space yes and that's where I showed in the Robertson space but also in downtown mm-hmm 
later, later on, but in the 70s, 1976 and 1979, right. I participated in a couple of shows, a solo exhibition and group shows. Right. I'm sure I would have seen them. But so anyway, I loved your work for a long time, and I'm curious um, what you are doing now. Now, I just finished a, sh- a three-person show at Track 16 called mm. Stuck Together with Marcian, Martian DeLellis oh, right. and Deborah Braz. Martian's work is insane. Really insane. <laughs> so it was an insane three-person <laughs> exhibition. Yeah, not that yours isn't. <laughs> In a good way. Thank In you. In a good way. But Martian did an automata. Automata. Um, yeah, he had a, I had a show there. I missed uh, I missed the last one. I missed the last one too. I saw the, the other one. Um, yeah, they're interesting. If you're not familiar with his work, it's a lot of puppets. Yes. And puppets creep me out anyway. <laughs> and his happened to be extra creepy. Oh yeah, you would have been really creeped out with a hundred dolls. It was yeah. incredible. And they're all kind of, they're not like, they're kind of like in the Mike Kelly vein in that they're kind of distressed. Extremely distressed, run over, bleached, totally messed up. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's riveting, but it's painful. Rid of, yeah, riveting, painful, horrific, nightmarish. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all in a good way. Is the show still up with you? No, no. It it opened March 16 for two months. Months. Really? Dang, I'm sorry I missed it. Yeah, me too. And I have the middle room. I know you invited me too. Well, I've missed so much myself. But I had my pin-up drawing installation with um, animal rescues. Right. Some of which are self-portraits, but I consider them all self-portraits. And then new paintings. Yeah, I really like the pinup work. You've been doing the pinup. Well, pinups have always been in the work. From, I mean, sort of, right? Since, and you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, since the 90s. But I started out making Hollywood assemblages. Mm. And then Hollywood assemblages with self-portraits and pinups. But before that, in the late 60s, early 70s, I was a fiber artist. Really? Yeah. And I, I saw some some uh, reference to Fluxus. And I, I but that was, was later. So you did the 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 fiber things earlier. Prior. So was that all feminist driven or? Yes, um, and then I it, it working by hand, beading and sewing and embroidering really affected my eyesight, which wasn't so great anyway. And I got really bad carpal tunnel in my right hand, so I had to quit. And I, <laughs> and, um, I know. Wallace Berman was my first mentor in the late 60s, and oh. then and Al Hansen in 1972 introduced me into the Fluxus movement. Ah, well, you know, we had Tosh on. He was my first, I love Tosh. Was my first guest. Tosh is Wallace's uh, son. Um, anyway, yeah, so, the, and, and uh, Wallace was, uh, was quite the um, connector, apparently, so, and did he introduce you to Hanson? No, no, I, I was friends with Bibby Hanson, Al mm-hmm. Hanson's daughter, mm-hmm. and I met Al through Bibby, mm-hmm. and then the boys weren't, well, Beck was a baby, and Channing was born a couple of years later on um, 
Ocean View Avenue, and I lived up the street from them. Um, oh, okay. And this is early 70s? Early 70s. When you could afford to live there. Exactly. It's probably horribly <laughs> expensive now. And it's probably the same tiny room, but it's like a bazillion dollars. Probably. But ironically, I had a large three-bedroom apartment on the second floor. The building is still there. Wow. It was really beautiful, but also a very dangerous area. Yeah, it was pretty rough back then. Really rough. Mm. Well, but you were making the pinup work then. No, I was making the fiber art work. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Late 60s, early 70s, and then... Then I met Al Hansen, and um, then I had to move because I got horribly mugged up the street, brutally beaten on my face I, by yeah, a that stalker. Was in, that was in the, um, the book that you signed for me, that the uh, molested at the movies. Yes. Which was, it, it's actually a performance script. Yes, right? it's a performance script. Right, but it's, but it's pretty true to... Pretty accurate. Right. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's in the store and it's online, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, I recommend it. It's a great, great, uh, great read. Oh, well, you read I mean, it? It's, yeah, of course I read it. Yeah, I read it. Oh, sure. that's great. Oh, well, you have to since it's your store. It's in my store. <laughs> I mean, well, you I don't have to. No, I was going to say you didn't have to. I was well, I clarify. actually have read most of the books in the store. Oh, that's wonderful. That's really impressive. Well, but, you know, they're art books, so there's a lot of pictures. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and mine have pictures and a little history in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you read it. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It took me a really long time to write it, years and years. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're tough to... Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're tough instances, like I this know. mugging and, and, yeah. and worse. Yeah, and worse. Right. So, uh, you know, what's interesting about that is when you read that and then you look at your work, and what's nice about your work is that, uh, it's nice about it, but what strikes me is, you know, the the traumatic experiences that you've had and all that, and yes, they're referenced in the work, but it's not like smacking you in the face. Oh, that's good. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can see there's, you sense that there's some, you know, real pain and real trauma there, but it's not like, it's not didactic at all, and... And actually, I think that some of the colors and the way things are treated, that there's actually even some hope in that. Oh, good. I, I meant it to be hopeful <laughs> with all the tragedy. <laughs> yeah, I it comes across. I mean, it does to me anyway. Yeah, and my, my pinups, which came later and developed from the mid, starting from the mid-1990s, even from the early 80s, actually, late 70s. No, no, no. Yeah, right. They started appearing in the 70s later on, after the Hollywood period, and then more and more so in the 90s, 80s, 90s. And then now I pretty much focus on the pinups on paper with animal rescue drawings and paintings. There'll be pictures on aggeiger.com. And again, you can get the book, uh, which has some of the images. uh, on online as well, but uh, yeah, they're great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then I also incorporated them in um, oil pastel because I couldn't work with sharpies anymore. It was affecting 
me giving me asthma and AFib attacks, which wasn't really? so good. No, yeah. that's not good. I was like, you know, like, look, we all sacrifice for our art, but exactly. that's not necessary. No. You can. But anyway, are you still painting Chinatown? I'm. I just fin. I'm just finishing, or I just have finished, a Chinatown painting um, about Su Chow Cafe, which started in the 1930s, mid 1930s, in Old Chinatown at 400 Los Angeles Street, and then moved to, later on, into Sunset Boulevard. And that painting, I started last year, or two years ago, and it was driving me crazy, so I had to put it in my what's storage garage. What's the Su Chow? Su Chow Cafe. Now what's with that? Why did you pick that? Because I love historical Chinatown as yeah. well as the modernish, which isn't modern. Well, it is. Well, it's 1940. It, 1940. Yeah. So this predates 1940s. Yeah. In the ni- around 1937, I was very fascinated. Yeah, when they kicked with them out to build exactly. the Union Station. And to also put them in the the camps. Uh, no, 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 that, that was the Japanese. Like, that would have been later, and that would have been the Japanese. Right? Yeah. So I'm getting things a little mixed up here. Yeah, we'll not edit th- that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, because I don't want to offend anybody. Right. Yeah. We won't. Die. And I'm a Holocaust. You know, my parents were Holocaust survivors, so I'm closely connected to the whole camp thing, right. Japanese and Jewish. Well, now we're gonna have to leave it in. You're gonna have to. <laughs> You don't have to, but I think it's a good idea. Well, we can, I don't know. We'll see if we can come around to it another way. Then okay. Okay, because my book talks about, in the beginning, my parents' survival and right. my co- my namesakes be- perishing in Auschwitz and my mother surviving Bergen-Belsen. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know. I know, well, my whole... Yeah, and so, you know, I was going to ask you that, not that particular piece but okay so you've they've come over as survivors and then for how the hell did you become a child actress that was my mother's goal from the very beginning because Tasha's or Tosh has a similar thing with Wallace Wallace's mom was involved in acting they were Jews yeah and they lived in Boyle Heights like we lived in Boyle Heights when we first came from Europe through Ellis Island, and I think they yeah. came through Ellis Island. Yes, I think so too. Because yeah. I read Tosh. It's an yeah. incredible book. Yeah, it's a good book. That also is in the story. But anyway, okay, so... Oh, okay. Well, it was your mother's... Okay, so you're, you guys... The, you're, both parents are survivors, right? Okay, yes. And uh, they come and move to Boyle Heights. Yes. Which is where my parents also settled. You know, how did you get involved in... in film and all that because it was your mother's dream it was my mother's dream but initially when we first came over and we got a television we were the last to get a television in 1951 or 52 everyone else had a, a television so I I watched it and I told my mother I wanted to be an actress now okay so they came over straight here from in the after the war no Okay, my mother met my father in a DP camp, Bergen-Belsen, mm. after it was re- it was changed from the concentration camp and the the Allies liberated the Jews. Um, so then my father 
came from Auschwitz on the march, the death march, and ended up in Bergen-Belsen and then met my mother there. Then they couldn't go back to Poland because the Poles were killing Jews who were trying to come back to claim their property. And my parents knew that, so my father went to Brussels where his family was. And my mother followed him to Brussels, they married, and then I was born a year later. In Brussels? In Brussels, in 1947. My mother had already started visa papers to come to Los Angeles, and we were going, we, she, we How were... How did they pick LA? What the? Hollywood. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was her thing. Sure, why not? Why yeah, not yeah. She had her, I mean, she had it in her psyche right there before I even opened my mouth and said I wanted to be an actress and that's all she needed to hear and then she took over and it was stage mother hell but <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> it's true so from the holocaust to Hollywood <laughs> sounds like a novel yeah so anyway molested at the movies is right it? it is in scrapebook yeah um, Okay, so uh, okay, so, so now you're here. Now I'm in, here. In Boyle Heights. Though. Yes. All right. So we came in 1951. It took all those years to get all the papers organized, and they had to sign forms swearing they were not in the Communist Party and sure. they were not red, or else we would not have made it over. Right. And we had to be sponsored by a friend of theirs. So we were sponsored by my mother's sister, who was also a Holocaust survivor, mm. and her husband, who was a survivor of Auschwitz. And yeah, and then a, a lawyer by the name of Ber- Bernie Vygotsky, Pol- a Polish family mm-hmm. friend. Right. That was the only way, because there was so much anti-Semitism. Right. And you know, there was racism, period, heavy, heavy racism. And Boyle Heights was like a little ghetto of... Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, we got some great pictures from our family at that time. But, uh, I mean, yeah, but it was a... It, was, I mean, it wasn't a horrible ghetto. No, it was, it was beautiful. Really, really quite nice, yeah. Quite beautiful. Yeah, but ghettoized, I mean, in ghettoized. terms of... Ghettoized, right. In terms of, yeah, like concentrated Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Because I remember the sign saying, no Jews, no Mexican, no black people, but it was a derogatory term, and then no gays and lesbians, no queers, no, what is it, hustling. I remember all those signs. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they were there. Oh, they were there. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's crazy. So when was your first audition, and at what age? Um... Well, I, my mother got me involved right away when I was around four, and then she what? she worked for like Gerber baby stuff or what? No, little theater. Oh, no, 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 no. She got me into Maglin Studios, where I became a Maglin Kitty, and that was a studio. I don't know what that is. What oh, is very famous on Venice Boulevard. Uh, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney studied there, uh-huh. in the and they became big stars. Sure. So by the early fifties. There was a, a, a talent scout program called Bob and Betty Eagles, um Oldsmobile Talent Scout Show, and my kind of the American Idol of its day. Exactly. So, 
as a Meglin Kitty. You were discovered? I was, well, I was in the USO shows, and I have some pictures of... Were you doing tap or what? Tap and singing. Oh, okay. What would you sing? Little French songs, Mademoiselle de Paris primarily, oh. Teacher's Pet. Um, I don't, and I, I know, I remember Mademoiselle de Paris, my mother would sing J'attendrai and other French songs, and she sang with a heavy Polish accent. But, yeah, the, the, but they wouldn't know. No. It sounded French. Yeah, because <laughs> she had a very heavy, heavy accent, right. and I still had my little French accent. Oh, cute. And so this is the USO show, this is for Korea, though, then. Yeah, it was for Korea, and then the Bob and Betty Akel um, Oldsmobile Talent Scout show, which was behind, it was a little studio behind their Oldsmobile dealership on Western Avenue. Oh, so it wasn't sponsored by Oldsmobile. Exactly. And, and then my mother surprised me at 1 a.m. that I had to sing at 3 a.m. And we took a taxi to the studio, and I was so scared I gagged on TV. And then the second time, I was nine years old, the second time I was more prepared and um, I was 12 years why old. Why Was it live or what? Yeah, it was live. But Oh, because it's going over to the Korean, the broadcast over there? Yes, and that? Los Angeles too, and Hollywood, yes. At three in the morning. At three in the morning, and I won the trophy. There that's was a, a trophy. That's a, I thought there were like rules for children can't work at certain hours. Well, yeah. that <laughs> let's bend the rules here and there, any which way we can. That's insane. And and okay, so then, but then you got in, uh, quite a, a lot of film, right? After that, later in later years, yeah, I, I, yeah. At thirteen, I worked on my first movie called Skydivers, and um, I was scouted for that when I was in junior high school, fresh in junior high school, by. A, f a school friend whose father was a director producer so my mother and I were invited to the location they were filming skydivers and then I was invited then I was cast in a role for the movie and I was molested for real on the location by the director that's also that's in, in the, the book, book. I read that, <laughs> exactly yes. exactly that was on the beach or something. on the beach yeah. Oh, you remember? Yeah. I well, remember. It's, <laughs> it's very yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, it leaves an impression. Yeah, yeah. Then in 1965, I was cast in a new soap opera pilot called Days of Our Lives. Oh right. And I I said the very first lines for soap opera history. No. I swear. And which was? Julie, you're so amazing. We were thieves. She was the head thief, and she had two girls who were, she was training, and I was one of the girls in training. My, my role was Carol. And why is this history? Oh, it's soap opera history, yeah, because why? I said the very first lines for soap opera history, and Days of Our Lives was the very first soap opera for NBC. So, at this point, you're in television, you're starting to do films as well, right? But you're also making art at this time, right? You're also painting and... Well... no, it's just the fiber time, or no, it's before the fiber. Before. Oh, when did you decide to stop making, or, well, you haven't stopped acting, but... But I took a 20-year break because 
there was a lot of sexual harassment and pedophilia I had to fight as a young actress, and I was unprotected. I couldn't handle it. I Did your mom know anything about that? Kind of know. Yes. Uh, she must have. She must have. Because she put me in very dangerous situations, and I had to, I got out. I kept quitting because I couldn't handle it. It was horrible. It was nightmarish. Yeah, sure. And then, then I, um, I got involved in the art world, and then, then I found twenty years later that I really missed acting and decided to go back into it. And that's when I started doing commercials and, and got into working in film a lot more. And I, I haven't quit since then. Right. And, and yeah, when you went back, you got a pretty big gig, right? Speed. Speed, right? With the Sandra Bullock. With Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves, yeah. And, um, but before that, I, I started doing commercials in 1988. And, I did a movie before that called Off Limits with Willem Dafoe and Gregory Hines, and I mm. got my SAG card working on that movie, and then started. I took a commercial class, and then started doing commercials right after, and then the movie Speed. I auditioned for that, so I've been doing a lot. Of, I've been doing mainstream and independent films, and still doing commercials too. Really? Wow. Yeah. So. Um well, that keeps you busy. In top, on top of the art, you're also still acting. What's the latest commercial you worked on? I did a commercial in January for Hyundai. Oh, really? Yeah, Jason Bateman is in that commercial. Oh, is that when they're in the... Elevator. Are you in the elevator? Yeah, yeah, but I was on the plane, actually, coughing my brains out, coughing and sneezing. I was hired to cough. And sneeze. Yeah, I, you know, that is such a strange business, right? <laughs> it's so funny. Well, well that's, that's very recent then. That was this year, Super Bowl this year, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a big gig. Yeah, and then I did three movies last year, one of which was a horror movie, which is a full SAG production, and I got paid full scale. Well, that's rare. Yeah, because I've done a lot of independent films that don't pay yeah. very much. Sure. Okay, but you still, now your, your studio is in Los Feliz? In, yes. My one-bedroom apartment is my painting studio, and I have a garage storage space around the corner, around the block. Right. Your paintings and, and even the drawings and stuff, they're all relatively small. Um, the 24 by 36 inches, which is large for me. Right. Yeah. And some larger. Well, I like, actually, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like thinking maybe it would be fun to see you work on a bigger scale, but then I thought, no, nah, you know, loses the intimacy then, which I think is a big key part of what you're, you're storytelling. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I've been making the Chinatown series, but I've also been, my work's become, I've been making some very abstract pieces about Brussels and Barcelona. Hmm and um, loosely architectural, abstract, expressionist paintings that have a surrealist quality to them. And they're reminiscent, they, they remind me of my one LSD trip in the, 
where the buildings were melting and there were vibrant colors, I swear to you, in 1967. Wow. And where were these buildings? In Los Angeles. Oh, you were in LA. I don't remember where they were, but they were melting and they were beautiful colors. And so I never forgot that. And they appeared in my Chinatown paintings and then the newer paintings with. Yeah. Because I do a lot of pouring, working with brush, and also. What what is that? It's acrylic, right? Acrylic. I'm too allergic to work in oils, but I use. But I draw with oil pastel and then I paint over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, with that film that's on the BG Gallery site is fun to watch. I, I'll, there'll be a link on aggeiger.com as well to this. Did you? I watched it before I came over. Oh, because I did a, a studio. Is it, uh, Eric Mintz-Winson yeah. did. Yeah, that wasn't BG Gallery. He came to my studio, my apartment. But it's on their side. Oh, it is? I didn't even know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And my late kitties are on that. Oh, I'm sorry. They're late. I know. Yeah, they're cute. Max and Bella. Yeah. Yeah, so that, uh, yeah, the, the, that was fun to watch. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so, it, so the acting thing must be work out nicely because that, you know, you only get a call every once in a while and leaves you a lot of time to work, right? Or do you have to go on audition after audition? Audition after audition, upon audition off, upon audition, last minute, via my agents, and so I always never know, because it's always last minute, and I have to be really prepared. Often, the night, get the material the night before for the morning of, and it's beyond intense. But now a lot of it is doing self-tapes and I go to professional places to do the self-tapes and submit myself through this program called EchoCast, which goes directly to the casting director. Really? Yeah. It's too bad. I, I like the whole thing here. I know. Uh, breaking down the door. Now it's all online. But it's both because I still get called in to see casting directors and put on tape. And then also, in I would think that they, they probably want to see if you're gonna if it's a bigger part and they want to see if you're gonna play nicely with everybody else. Then they exactly. really want to see you, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, she looks good on screen, but but they, I've had big casting directors have me self tape as well. Hmm. It go it goes both ways now. So all right, what are you gonna work on now? I'm working on. Uh, Track 16 has four of my original books with um, pin-up drawing collages in them, and I'm working on another one, a little smaller, a black book, of uh, uh, almost 100 pages. So they're And the bookmaking, talk to me a little bit about bookmaking, because obviously I'm a bookstore, I love books, but and you do too. I know we were talking before we came on about you know, actually holding things. Um, it's important to you and I, um, but uh, your own bookmaking is uh, as part of your crap. Or why? How does that fit in your overall ex- self-expression piece? Like, why do you have books? Or make. I make books filled with art in them, the continuation of the pin-up drawing collages, 
they're very close to my heart and um, I have an intimate con connection with them working now, hands on that one that's in the film uh, that's a track point. 16 and so were the picture or the, the pieces that comprise the book or though were they in the installation out of the book or the book is its own book the book is its own book that they have in the gallery and then I made three other books mm. and now I'm working on another book at home and then I'm paint. I'm working on the. And painting. these are true artist books. I mean, these are true. Honest, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Together, and that's why I was asking about book making as part of the. I guess it's because I, if I were to write about it, I would say it's because it's about your storytelling, and so the book format is appropriate. They're notebooks, and then I fill them up. But they're and they're book books, you know, that you can draw in that are already fabricated, but then I draw in them. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, I see. With a spiral. Yeah, yeah. And with the, the pads without the spiral. And this one is a, a book that I hope stays intact because it's getting fatter and fatter as I'm working. They almost feel like sketchbooks then. They're like, they are sketchbooks. In, in fact, they're sketchbooks. Very fond of sketchbooks, and I understand. But I, yours is much more than a sketchbook. It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not a sketchbook. But no, it no, has that format. It's in it, that format. It's in that format, and they're fully realized works. Each, each one in my doodly style with yeah. the collage. So they feel sketchy, but they're actually completed pieces. They're actual completed pieces, and now in all oils pastel over and around the collage, I mean the pinups. Well, if any collectors are listening, I would grab that. Yes. If I could afford <laughs> it, I would, I would buy it myself. Oh, thank you. All right, well, I think we're pretty well good here. Did you have anything you want to add? Um, oh, I'm going to be in a show in Berlin. Oh, that's good. The, that's LA, Ber the LA Berlin show and um, Track 16 is including me in Rosalux Gallery, a group show. It opens June 7th to the 20th, so I wanted to plug that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be where? In Berlin. Right. Germany. Yes. <laughs> you know, Berlin, Germany. <laughs> well, it could be a Berlin, Berlin Ohio. Exactly. Something. So it happens to be in Europe. <laughs> well, well, that's good. Okay, so the name of the show, again, is? Berlin, LA, Berlin, LA, Berlin. LA, Berlin Exchange. And then it's track 16 is going to be with Rosalux Gallery. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Super <laughs> fun. Yes, I have fun. Oh, you too. Thank you. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest today was artist-actor Simone Gad. You can see images of her art that we've been discussing and get the book Molested at the Movies at aggeiger.com. I also want to highly recommend a film by Eric Min Swenson about Simone that you can find on the BG Gallery website, which is bgartdealings.com, or you can just Google Simone Gad on YouTube. 
AG Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, music and artist management company Regime 72, and AG Geiger Fine Art Books. Please check us out at MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, AGGeiger.com. Thanks for listening.